Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 74 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show, and thanks for taking part of your day to spend time with us. You can follow our show on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at JustinHughes365. And you can follow Andrew McQuiston at AMCQ82. If you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365. It's It's starting to hop a little more as we are really close to the baseball season. And people are starting to talk about dynasty trades that they're thinking about making. Just strategy for their... For the single season league and everything else that's going on in the baseball world at the moment. On tonight's episode, we're going to bounce around here and have some discussions about the return of baseball, how we are handling the leagues we are in already, and some news and notes around the league. And now, let me introduce my co-host, Andrew McQuiston. And Andrew, my question for today comes from a question that Jim Callis asked on Twitter a few weeks back. Here it is. You can only use two utensils for the rest of your life. Which two do you choose? Option one, fork and spoon. Option two, fork and knife. And option three, spoon and knife. Which one, which are you choosing? <laughs> this question's the best. <laughs> um, I am choosing fork and knife. You got to be able to cut your meat then, huh? Yeah, I, I thought about it, and it's just one of those things. Fork is 100% for yes. me. Um, and I just feel like I use a knife more than I use a spoon overall. I mean, it would obviously would be awkward to eat soup. And, and you like cereal. You're a big cereal stuff. guy. Yeah, I like cereal, yeah. It'd be a little weird, but I feel like it would be more weird without a knife, so... What mo- what is most weird is spoon and knife. How do you actually pick that yeah. option? <laughs> right, right, yeah. I originally well, like go ahead. What, what would you what would you say? What was yours? Originally, I was fork and knife, but I changed it to fork and spoon. Uh, thinking about it over the last few days, um, my answer, my reasoning is, I do love ice cream. I love cereal. I love, I eat oatmeal every morning. I could get by eating all those with a fork, but <laughs> then it dawned on me. I'm like, wait, if I really am going to lose a utensil, I'll lose the fo- the knife because piece of steak. I'll just pick it up and eat it with my hands. Like a, then that's what I'll do. I'll just be one of those. Oh, what's the, like a caveman, a cave. Yeah. There used to be that saying I'd always hear as a kid. I can't think of it at the moment, but yes, I'll just eat my steak with my hand and I'll be okay. Yeah. So I'm going with fork or fork and spoon after giving it some thought. (laughs) Yeah. It's a fun question. Yes. Thank you, Jim Callis. You definitely brought one of the, (laughs) my favorite open opening questions. (laughs) Okay. Since we were here last a few weeks ago, a lot has happened. If I'm recalling right, when we last left off, we were, talking me you and lucas beery were talking about the players and owners were the conversations were breaking down the commissioner it sounded like he was going to mandate a 60 game season and that is what happened the players are reporting and it seems that in the end of all of this the owners are getting what they wanted 
which is a shortened 60-game season where they will still get their playoff money in a TV deal. While it's great that there's an agreement and we're getting baseball, I can't help but also think about the relationship between the players and owners, and that relationship keeps driving further and further apart, which I hate because we're so close to another labor deal in about a year. But anyways, I got a question for you. Andrew, how are you feeling today about this season getting underway and then getting completed? I feel like it uh, it, it will get underway. I mean, I'm pretty confident saying that. I'd probably put it at 80 to 90% at this point that it starts. I mean, um, considering it's just, you know, six days away, I guess. Completed? <laughs> That's a whole different story. Um you want me to put a percentage on it or just however you want it's okay I'm yeah not really asking I, anything specific i'm not really confident that it gets completed i i i think it could but i just think that there is a lot there's going to be a lot of hurdles throughout and i think when they start getting more players together more cases potentially pop up i mean i think the biggest the biggest worry to me, I mean, the cases are down from the most recent stuff and the, through the tests, you know, throughout the league and stuff. At baseball. least the last couple. Yeah, you're meaning yeah, in baseball. the baseball world. Yeah, just, just baseball, yeah. But um, I just wonder if uh, it gets worse, you know, as more of the guys get together. And I think the biggest worry really is if it were to affect a whole team or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't, You know, that's where it could get disastrous but yeah i think it's a lot of hurdles i'd probably put it about 25 percent maybe to complete it really uh, my yeah, next I'm, question was going to be you know you said i said don't give me a percent and i was just going to ask you more more or less likely that they finish it basically. yeah maybe a, maybe a little higher than that but i i'm not i just think it's going to be tough once it really gets going but it looks pretty decent right now i mean I definitely feel like it's going to start. You know, I think I'm more optimistic than you on it finishing. I think it's more likely than not that it does complete, mostly because I think they're doing everything they can with keeping these players away from each other. And I don't think, even if one of these players was to catch it, I don't know if it's going to spread because they're doing what, like, they're keeping the players not playing in the dug um, out. Didn't I hear that the people that are not even playing are supposed to go sit in the stands or something like that? Might be right. I noticed the other day Scherzer was in the stands behind home plate. Yep, I think when, there's uh, been... Corbin. I think Corbin was pitching. I sure hope that's going on during games that we're watching on TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just watching Verlander pitch and out there in the back behind him, Zach Greinke just sitting there <laughs> doing. Well, Zach Greinke of all people, just being Zach Greinke. <laughs> yeah, but um, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to spread too bad, and I think the baseball major leagues are going to just push through this. I think even if it did get pretty bad on one team, I still think they would push through. I, I, I'm not saying it's the right or wrong thing, but it's just what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I definitely hope you're right. I, yeah. I, at this point, I mean, I'm ready to watch some baseball. And honestly, once they get it going, I'm not. it's just going to be terrible if it has to stop. So oh, hopefully, hopefully, they, uh, hopefully they get through it. I remember how just absolutely depressed i was in march whenever they officially announced that everybody was going home and i just i it took me a month before i could even think about baseball just because i i mean i was moving right then but still i was like 
I was burnt and I just didn't even want to think about it. And it would suck that much worse if we're in the middle of a season and it stops. Yeah. Well, regardless, we both play in a lot of dynasty and redraft leagues. And Andrew, you run three different dynasty leagues from Rotomasters. How did you choose to handle this 60-game season as commissioner when things are just not going to be like a normal season? Uh, it was really tough. I actually spent a couple of months kind of thinking about how we were going to do it, but it's hard. Like, it was kind of hard when there's no plan from MLB to really have a plan for what you're going to do. I mean, I didn't want to put a bunch of work into a plan and then have them just cancel the season. And in April or May, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. But pretty much what we did is just uh, came up with a few options, talked to everybody in the leagues, kind of got their input. And um, ironically, of the three different leagues, they all went with the same option. I mean, we had, you know, full payout kind of everything all in for 2020 just like it's normal we had half payout and then um, a couple other options one being not really playing just kind of doing fab and stuff but not having standings and there was four options and we just talked to everybody and kind of landed in the middle or at least what I considered the middle which was partial payout for the season and the rest of the money rolls over. So I thought it was good. I mean, it seems like a good um, balance or compromise between the op- the other ones, you know. Like the, it seemed like most people were either into or they didn't like the all-in and playing for all of it or, and they, or they didn't like not playing at all. So just kind of. Landed on uh, the middle one there, and seems like seems like everybody's taking good to it. it. It went a lot smoother than I expected, that's for sure. Yeah, I remember talking to you a little bit about it, and you definitely seemed worried about just how people were going to react and the people that didn't get what they want, how they would react. But thankfully, most people did agree that the partial payout, and as you were saying, money rolling over to explain there, he's meaning that that mu- the we paid our league fees last winter and that money go- that we paid half of it's going towards the league pool and the other half's rolling into our fees for next year so we'll yeah. have half fees next year and yeah. i thought that was great i i was okay playing full or partial <laughs> i remember telling you specifically i said whatever you do just don't make it option 4 which was the one where we didn't play at all i just we're getting some baseball i want to at least play even if even if it's going to be a weird year, at least it gives us some something to follow along with just the baseball games. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on redraft leagues in general that you did in February and March before the season shut down? There are some people that want those just completely done away with and redraft again or just don't have them at all. There's some people that think just leave it as is. Everybody drafted on equal playing grounds at that time and you know just bad luck happens to those guys that lost out what, what do you lie on one of those sides or somewhere in between uh kind of somewhere in between i mean i 
have somewhat mixed feelings about, you know, obviously if you were to draft right now, you know, I did a draft in December. And if I did that draft today, it would be way different. But there's also good things that came of that too for my team, you know, like guys that would be going higher now, stuff like that. My general viewpoint on it is just, and I think a lot of this just comes from being a commissioner, is whatever the guy running the league wants to do, I'm fine with. Because I I would just be a total hypocrite to uh, expect, like, anything different. I mean, it's just, if I want people to cooperate with me, I'm going to cooperate with other people that are running the other leagues, you know? So I don't really care that much. I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat. I think it's a little complicated to redraft them because you might not get all the people to do it or want to do it. So you probably just got to leave them be. I'm fine with that. I mean, everybody was affected differently, some better or worse, but that's just, I mean, happens with injuries. There's all kinds of things that are bad luck during the season that, I don't know. I just think it's it's fine. Whatever the person running the league wants to do, I'm good with. I get that this is a different circumstance than normal, but what you just said there at the end is what I wanted to say, which is you draft in March, and two weeks later, to, to, uh, Noah Syndergaard had Tommy John surgery. And that might have happened anyways. And that happens every year where you draft guys, and then in April or late March they have injuries and are out. And you're just kind of out. It just happens. It's not like if you everybody was on equal playing ground whenever you drafted. So it just kind of is what it is because I do agree. It would just be hard to get everybody to draft again. And it's hard to draft right now whenever there are guys that are missing from teams and everything else. And I don't know. I think it'd just be kind of a mess to have to draft again. And there's going to be some hurt feelings over it. I'd much rather just the guys that lost out and I say this as somebody who played I'm in three draft and hold leagues and in two of the three I've got David Price and one of them I also have Michael Kopech so I'm screwed in a couple of them with some some of my mid-range pitching but it's just is what it is yeah I think one thing that's important I don't think everybody thinks this way but I I definitely do is I think when you think about these things you have to have the league in mind and yes. not your team and not your team. Like when I've made any decisions I've made with any of this stuff, I've never once thought of my team. I think of the league and maybe that's the commissioner in me. I mean, I don't know, but I just feel like the league is above any one specific team. And, you know, you just let the chips fall where they may after that. But dec- league decisions and team decisions are kind of two different things. So, Agreed. Okay. Um, what are you doing differently with the leagues in terms of some of the rules here? Um, we've talked about payouts, but are there any rule changes in terms of, there's a couple different things we could talk about. Like for starters, uh, position eligibility, innings limits, how many, like how many games for the season to, for it to actually the fantasy season account, because they could, finish the se- they could cut the season short by a couple of days and it's like well that that is close enough and the covid injured list how we're handling that players sh- choosing to sit out the season that would be more for dynasty leagues 
I just spit out a lot of stuff there, but I, how would you handle most of those things? Um, normally the innings limits for at least my leagues are a thousand innings. I think that's fairly standard. I went to 300 and it's, it's 37% of the season. So some would say 370, but I just wanted to be conservative because you don't know how these guys are going to be with innings pitched and stuff. Yes. Um, we did change the lineups a little bit where it's, you can go um, twice a week with all players. Normally, the pitchers are weekly. Uh, minimum games for the season to count. We did fifty. Uh, just, I think that I know some are doing forty-five. I know one that I'm in is doing forty-five. I think that's fine too. But yeah, I mean it. It feels like I think NFBC is doing forty. So. But yeah, anywhere in there. I mean, you don't want to spend too much time and then have it not count. But you also don't want to count it if there's 12 games. So you just kind of have to figure all that out. And went to unlimited IL. I think, I think unlimited IL at this point is almost a must until, yes. at least with dynasty leagues, until um, this COVID stuff gets taken care of. I, I don't know if. We will uh, reassess that in 2021 or 2022, but we'll figure it out as 2021 gets closer. And then there's the players sitting out this year. And I want to bring that one up because you and I actually did two different things with the two dynasty leagues. Um, I've run one dynasty league, the Baseball 365 Dynasty, and you run the Rotomasters leagues, and we both did something different. I'll list off and... I'll mention mine first, and then you can tell me what you're doing with the Rotomasters leagues. But with these major leaguers like Buster Posey, Michael Kopech, guys who are on MLB rosters sitting out, it really I didn't feel like it would be fair for these owners to be stuck with a player that they can't stick on the injured list. Assuming that the league software that you play on were on fan tracks, and I'm, we're still waiting to see, but if these players cannot be placed on an inactive roster somehow and they're actually taking up one of your 30-man roster spots in the major leagues it's really not fair to the owner that they that you could get stuck with three or four of these guys so what i did specifically was any of those players that have chosen to sit out this season owners can drop them but they still own the rights to them after the season ends and in doing that that way they're not taking up a roster spot and they can pick them back up in the offseason, and hopefully things are close to back to normal. Let's hope for 2021, and we can move forward with it that way. So that's what I did, and I know you kind of did a little hybrid part of that, but why don't you explain what you did with the Rotomasters League? Yeah, we just expanded the bench a little bit, uh, added three bench spots. So, I mean, typically, normally we have seven, now we have ten. And the rule just is, if you have three of those guys, you have to hold them. So you still would have your seven bench, you know, of active mm -hmm. players. And if you have more than that, basically, if you're just getting demolished by those type of guys, then you can start dropping them, kind of like what you mentioned. Uh, one thing, I, I kind of did it that way. I don't know the perfect way. I mean, we're all trying to figure this out. Yeah. I honestly don't know. Uh, the one thing that I did think was having extra bench slots just in general 
might help with some of the unpredictability of this year. Yes. So um, I just feel like the more flexibility that we can allow owners to have this season, I'm just kind of all for that because it's going to be kind of difficult, you know, or at least it could be. I mean, we don't know for sure, but um, that's just that's just kind of how I did it. So I agree. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now and a lot of pitchers that I mean, the pitchers and hitters that we just aren't going to know much about. So especially with the biweekly lineups like your league is your leagues are that really helps. Okay, so Andrew, I know you're drafting at least one more time next week before the season starts. How are you personally strategizing differently for that draft and just the teams you've already drafted going into this season compared to a normal 162-game slate? Biggest thing for me, difference-wise, I guess, is I don't care about batting average like at all Hmm. Uh, i I think in so like in a 60 games and i i just well i guess rewind that for a minute but over a full year i feel like if you have a guy that is a lot of his value depends on batting average take like jeff mcneil or something you know where you expect him to hit high average and that's driving a lot of their value kind of has their ADP where it is not that they don't do anything else, but a lot of their value is on batting average. I just feel like in a shortened season, they might not hit for that. I mean, there's not as much time for them to be a difference maker in batting average. And if you catch the wrong side of it, where they're hitting, you know, they can in a small sample, I mean, 60 games, they, anybody, I mean, Jeff McNeil could hit 255. Yep. You know, I mean, it's a, he could also hit 330, but there's not as much time, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like Joey Gallo could hit 270, you know, and be, and all this stuff of, Oh, like this guy's a drain on my batting average. Maybe that's an extreme one, but you get what I'm saying. Like at 60 games, it's just, it's really hard to predict. I looked last year through two months of the season, Jose Altuve, I think we can all agree Jose Altuve is an elite hitter. He was hitting 243 through two mm-hmm. months. So I just don't feel like you can predict batting average in a 60-game season. So I want a lot of power speed guys, a lot of, um, I mean, some people would call it risks, just high risk, high reward bats and you know hope i get the homers and steals and just let the batting average fall where it may because it's kind of going to do that anyways no matter what players i draft so i definitely want speed lots of speed and obviously power speed combos stuff like that manny machado's the guy i think of with that because i know at least twice in his career he's had a, just a awful batting average in the first half of the year just from terrible bad bit luck i think one time was two years ago and then he did it in Baltimore another time. And it was it was brutal both of those years in the first half. And then all of a sudden he got going. And his batting average wasn't as high as it normally was at the end of the year. But he got it up there a lot better in the second half. And, yeah, that's going to happen. We're going to see guys like that. That We see it every year in the first half. And people are – we usually laugh because we hear people 
panicking, even though the underlying stats say everything's normal, they're just having bad luck. But this year, I mean, that could happen for an entire fantasy season, and you're just kind of stuck with it. Yeah, and the other thing, is too, is like I said, I mean, the guys that kill you in batting average aren't going to have as much time to do it. You know, like if you're 60 games into a 162-game season and you have a guy that you didn't expect to have a good batting average, he's sitting there with a good batting average, you're sitting there thinking, eh, that's going to go down by the end of the year. But this year, the season's just going to be over. Yep. So, I don't know. I just don't feel like you can rely. Like, trying to predict batting average, period, is kind of tough. But trying to predict it in a in a sixty game season, I just feel like there's um there's just other routes that you should explore to try and get your value and and kind of just let the batting average happen. I mean, it's going to be what it's going to be. It's just hard to predict. Yep, it will be. Okay, well, let's take a break here, and we'll come back and we'll discuss some more news going around the league. All right, well, now let's talk about some of these players. Um, Some of them have chosen to sit out this year, that the risk really just wasn't worth it for them. Maybe they've got some health concerns already that tying in. They just don't feel comfortable coming out and being around a bunch of people. There's some lesser-named guys, Mike Leake, Felix Hernandez, Nick Markakis. Then there's a couple bigger names, like Michael Kopech, who was supposed to be coming back from Tommy John surgery, David Price, and... Ian Desmond, who I guess he would be another in-between guy. He's going to spend the year doing some something very honorable, though. He posted on Instagram that he's going to spend time in the community he grew up in trying to get youth baseball program back on track as the fields he grew up playing in are in pretty rough shape. And he wants to grow baseball in the black community, and good for him for that. Anyway, with these players mentioned do you think there's any fantasy impact for 2020 specifically? Uh, the big one to me is, um, I've kind of been saying it, but with David Price being out for the year, yeah, I feel like that group, so you know, you look at the Dodgers rotation, obviously Bueller and Kershaw at the top, nothing's changed there. Price was going to slot in third, he's gone. And you would have expected him to probably pitch quite a few innings. So now they have Julio Urias, Dustin May, Alex Wood, Ross Stripling, and Tony Gonsolin. Those five, I may be forgetting somebody, but those have been the five I've kind of been mentioning. But there's three rotation spots there. I would expect two of the three to be fairly consistent with who it is, you know, whatever. I mean, maybe they'll rotate all of them, but um, I think that a couple of those five guys are going to just be absolute gold because I think they're all good pitchers. I mean, they've all kind of proven some more than others, but whether it be, you know, kind of the pedigree stuff, you know, Urias and May, I mean, they're potential future studs, obviously. Stripling's proven he can be good. Gonsolin's, you know, somewhat of a prospect. I mean, still 
fairly young, hasn't gotten a ton of opportunity. And Alex Wood's been good in the past. And I feel like he could be good with regular starts in L.A., you know. So these Dodger pitchers, they always have value, the guys that are pitching every fifth day. And I just feel like two or three of those guys are going to be doing that. So I definitely think there's a lot of value there with all those guys. Or it won't end up being all of them, but whichever one's it winds up being that's the tricky part i mean i kind of like handcuffing taking maybe a couple of those but yeah i think there's going to be some definite value explode out of that group yeah that's you know they're the best run organization in baseball maybe professional sports and they've got a lot of talent and you owe it it's you know it just reminded me of back in the day how long have you played fantasy football andrew do you remember what year you was your first year playing Fantasy football, um, at least 2003, maybe a little uh, before. So you may not have quite hit this, but back in the uh, St. Louis Rams greatest show on turf days, you always drafted Kurt Warner's back backup. Somebody always did, just yeah. because the, the talent was so good around him that you were always drafting that guy just in case anybody anything happened to Warner. You had the next guy because there was just so much talent. Yeah, and that's kind of like the Dodgers now. That's you funny. just want to have whoever's pitching there. It's funny you say that because I was actually talking about this a couple of days ago with somebody, and I made the comparison to like handcuffing the running back. You know, like the the backup running back isn't as good, but if he gives you eighty to ninety percent of the production, I mean, he's worth having. So, yeah, I just he's think better than some of those guys on your roster. Right, yeah, and I just think whichever guy in that guys of those start, um, it's going to be valuable. But some of them may piggyback, you know, a few innings, few innings, something like that. But I just think those guys are going to be valuable. And then the Rockies situation, obviously. I mean, you can talk about that if you want. But no, there's a yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of guys there. I mean, with Desmond out, I mean, we probably don't want to get into the Matt Kemp talk, but. <laughs> <laughs> this opens up an opportunity for Garrett Hampson specifically. I mean, him and McMahon, I, I guess Mc, him and McMahon, if Desmond was going to play every day, one of them was probably not getting every day at bats, or maybe they would both split. But I, I did. I still wasn't confident Hampson was getting every day at bats going into this year. And because it's the Rockies, I'm still not fully confident. I don't think they're going to play Matt Kemp every day or even regularly, but they did just announce that he is going to make the major league roster and knowing the Rockies, you can't put anything past them. But anyways, let's assume Matt Kemp's a pinch hitter slash backup outfielder. I'm thinking that this gives Hampson a much better shot at getting everyday playing time and, or if he can produce, I think he's going to start the year playing every day and he's going to have a shot. And it's up to him. If he get, gets to a hot start, they'll keep playing him. If he goes over for 4 for two days, he won't play for a week because that's what the Rockies do. Yeah. It's like the Twins with it, Buxton. They keep they always say they're giving him a shot, and then he goes over for a couple of days, and they're done quick. They have uh, they have Hampson slated in it. Second, I'm on roster resource now. Second base. McMahon's um, at first, right? McMahon's at first, and actually the other one I think it helps is Sam Hilliard, too. Yes, most because definitely. he they've got him in left, and obviously with the DH, an extra bat there. So those guys should get a shot, but 
with the Rockies, you can never be completely sure. No, am I missing somebody that believes Dahl and Blackman? They're the other two outfielders right now. Dahl's it, yeah. They have Dahl in center and uh, Blackman in right, but I, okay. I think I think Dahl's hurt again. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> okay, so got Rogers there too, so it'll be interesting. But with extra bat, I mean, and Desmond gone, you would think. I mean. Yeah, Rogers is another interesting name because I think I've heard he's ready to go. I th- think he's he- healed up from that injury. I don't think he was supposed to be ready for the start of the year. I haven't really read much about him, but I thought I remembered reading that a few weeks back. Yeah, I believe he's ready, yeah. So I'll be curious to see what they do with him. If they keep him on the major league roster or if they just give him reps down in that minor league camps that they're having. While the MLB is slated to set... Oh, to begin in a week, there will not be a minor league season, as I was just mentioning minor league camps. Teams have announced that they've got 60-man player pools, and they can choose from those players who to play, and the rest of them go play in the minor league camps that are going to be within a couple hours of the stadiums. They're going to just not play official games, but just be able to kind of probably do what they're doing right now. And the players who are not on the MLB squad will be working out there, to make sure that the elite prospects get reps, most of them are on the 60-man player pool. So some of these guys who they're not even planning on playing, but they're just trying to make sure they keep developing, they're going to be on there. Guys who pretty much have no shot of being seen this year. Andrew, how do you feel about how this affects the development of these minor leaguers? Do you think that this is a negative for them? Um... Maybe, yeah. I, it's hard to say because it's kind of affecting all of them similarly. So, you know, I just I feel like they're going to keep those guys working in every way that they can, at least, you know, as much as they can and kind of go from there. I mean, as far as affecting their development, we we may not actually know that for a while. I mean, it's kind of hard to put a finger on even exactly what that means you know but yeah i mean it's it's kind of tough when you're not playing in games regularly you know that mean anything if just on some backfields or whatever they're doing so it's going to be tough but i feel like with all of the they're all kind of affected in the same way and these teams aren't just gonna it's not like they're just going to be sitting in the house doing nothing you know they're going to be out there doing something so yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to say, but I think about the guys that maybe we were expecting to be up sometime early next year, and I wonder if a lot of those guys, the non-elite ones, I think the elite ones probably are going to be right on the same track, but the ones that are projected to be maybe up in May, June, July next year is what we were projecting before this year, and now I wonder if maybe we don't see them till the following year because of what's going on and yeah like you said we don't know yet and I also, I also wonder with the p- player pool like I've thought about this too but if you know there's probably going to be more players than normal that aren't active whether it be they set out the season or they're injured or they have covid or, you know, there's just so many things that I wonder how many of these teams are going to have to dip a little bit deeper 
into their player pool to keep this whole thing moving, you know, because I mean, you would just expect it to be more players than ever that aren't playing. So I don't know. I've thought about that. I, I think that there's a chance that we see more prospects than, than people think just as the, I mean, it's only a 60 game season, but teams are going to be in it. I mean, a lot of teams are going to be in it. And if there's injuries, guys banged up, guys sick, whatever, there might be guys getting the call that you just didn't really expect. So, I, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but it's just something I've had in the back of my head. Yeah, that's a real good point. I, you know, player teams, because there's less games played, more teams probably are going to be in it. There's not as much time for there to be big gaps. Outside of the Dodgers, they run away every year. They'll probably be up 20. They'll probably win the division by 20 games, 60 game season. But everybody else in all the other five divisions, it should be a little closer. Teams have got will have more of a shot. There could be some of those teams that have that hot start in April. I don't remember if it was, I think, last year or the year before the Mariners had that really hot start. Yeah, last and year. And that could, I mean, something like that could happen, and you could be in it for man, 30, 40 games in to where you, you just think, yeah, let's just take the shot. Yeah, definitely. And then we got another rule change for this year. The designated hitter is officially happening for all 30 teams. All The National League, for the first time, is going to have a DH for the entire season. And it's undetermined if this will be implemented going forward. But as a National League guy, I'm thrilled about this. Andrew, how are you feeling about the DH? And do you think it sticks going forward? Uh, you know, I always, like in the past, I've always just liked the way that it's been, you know, and NL, no DH, AL with the DH. Uh, I feel like right now to worry about that, like something as little as that is just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just dumb. Like I, I'm good with it. I'm happy about it. It's fine. The more I've thought about it, um, I feel like it. I mean, that obviously is going to open up jobs, and that's good for our game. So, yeah, I'm totally fine with it. There's just way bigger things to worry about than whether or not the NL has the DH. I mean, if it we're getting baseball, that's the least of my concerns. So, I'm good. I think it does. I think it probably does stick going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it does. I just like the idea. I've never been a big fan of pitchers hitting, and I know it adds a little more strategy to the game. But I've always been a fan of watching the best players hit and it creates jobs for a few of those guys as they get older and it's harder for them to play the field. Yeah. It's just going to create more jobs for these guys and extend some careers that probably wouldn't have been extended before. Somewhere Kendrys Morales is just swearing, being like, why couldn't they have done this five years ago? <laughs> it'll, be inter- it'll be interesting to see what players – position eligibility gets affected because like I heard on one podcast that they thought Charlie Blackman could DH. Yeah. And I mean, he maybe will or maybe won't, but there's going to be people that are outfielders or first basemen that are just going to be DHs now. So, and then that's going to affect their position eligibility. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it obviously only affects half the league, but just something to watch. 
Kind of interesting that some of these National League guys, they've already been told, hey, you're going to be the DH for us this year. And what if we actually did go back to the previous way and you got, you know, National League players who are UT only for a couple weeks because they only played DH this year. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Who do you think this helps? We mentioned the Rockies situation. Are there any other National League teams you're thinking of where this is interesting that maybe will make somebody fantasy relevant? That wasn't. I'm trying to think off the top of my head if you have any spit them out, but um, my first Jay- one is Matt Matt Carpenter and Tommy Edmond. I thought really between the two of those, one of them was going to play regularly, and one of them may be more sporadic and get a hundred and hundred games started as compared to 140. And I think both of those guys now are locked into everyday roles. So that's the first one I think of, being the St. Louis Cardinal homer that I am. Yeah, guys like um, some guys, I, I think of older guys that have had some trouble staying healthy, like Jay Bruce. Yep. Um, I, I think they've already said he's going to hit lefty, or he obviously hits lefty, but is going to hit uh, or be in the lineup against all righties, probably DHing. Uh, a guy like Cespedes. I think it could yes. help stay healthy. Um, I think it helps Schwarber, not necessarily playing more, but not having to run around in left field, and it obviously helps the team. So good for him. Probably a guy like A.J. Pollock maybe because mm-hmm. he's had trouble staying healthy and obviously an extra bat in the lineup. He may get more playing time than he would have. Those are just a few off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more that I'm blanking on. Maybe maybe like a Howie Kendrick. Yeah. Guys like that. I think mostly of older guys that could DH. Um, Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun was in a situation. He probably was going to play first base, but I'll say Ryan Braun and Justin Smoke. One of those guys yeah. wasn't going to be starting. And now both of them probably are going to be playing a lot of games. Yeah. So there, it could, there's one. That, it could even help a guy like Justin Turner stay – stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause he's just old. Obviously he's a great hitter, but he's just a little bit older and they could give him days where he's DHing, doesn't, you know, just keep him fresh cause he's so good. But there's situations like that too, where it's not necessarily the guy that's going to DH every day, but you know, you can give him a break from the field and stuff. So the beauty of that for the Dodgers specifically They've got so many players that can move around position-wise. Yeah. Max Muncy plays first, second, and third. Yeah. And then Cody Bellinger's first base or the outfield to where they could just rotate that around and get a lot of those guys. You mentioned A.J. Pollock and Turner. They could rotate both those guys around and keep getting, you know, have Muncy playing all over the field basically and continue resting all their players, which knowing the Dodgers and what they do with pitchers, I fully expect that to be what they do. They're not going to have one guy and be like, you're our full-time DH. They're going to rest everybody and try to keep everybody fresh. I think it could help. Another one I think it could help is uh, Jesus Aguilar too for Miami. Yeah. Cause he could DH all the time. I mean, he could, he could play first base too, but just, being able to play either, I think, is good for him. I actually just traded for him in a, in a dynasty league. Gave that was a smart move. Gave up a fifth round pick. <laughs> well, that is definitely that's a great trade right there. And yeah, they, so like he, it's cheap enough, you know. Exactly. Just two years ago, he. I mean, 
What was he going in redraft leagues a year ago right now? Probably in the top 100? No, imagine. that wasn't last year, I don't think. Was it? It was. It was. Two years ago was his blow-up season. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe last right year, now. it all kind of fell apart. Definitely feels longer ago than that. <laughs> but, it's cr- yeah. It's crazy how yeah, it swings. I figured I'd take a flyer on him. I mean, really, with a corner infielder, all you're really looking for is power anyways. And he has it. It's a bad team. I mean, and with DH, I just think he's going to play and he can thump, you know. So, see. Let's move over to the pitching side. With only three weeks of inter-squad games, there's going to be a lot of pitchers who are not fully stretched out yet. Uh, I know Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves GM, he was the first to go on record and say that he expects a lot of his pitchers to go two to three innings in their first few starts. And I can see that being a trend. I know I've been reading a lot of reports of pitchers right now as we're a week away from the season going three innings this week. And that said, I'm also hearing reports of a lot of pitchers that are throwing simulated games and ready to go full right now. I've heard of pitchers throwing 60, 80 innings over the course of this last uh, 60 or 80 pitches in the last week, and they sound like they may be able to go full starts. Recently, I remember hearing that about Kershaw, Stripling, Alex Wood, all of the Dodgers. Scherzer was another name I remember hearing doing that. And with only 60 games to play, that's 12 turns to be had through the rotation. So does the fear of teams starting slow with arms in terms of innings affect how you're valuing them this season just as a whole? Uh, it's kind of it's kind of different. I mean, the... I feel like, and this is this is a lot of speculation here because we don't actually know how it's going to go for sure, but I feel like the top, top starters, like the aces, probably the number twos, maybe some of the number threes, I don't think they're going to really be affected that much. Teams want to throw their best pitchers as much as they can, especially in a year like this. Um and I just don't feel like those guys are really going to see much of a difference other than it's just a shorter season. The fourth and fifth starters, totally different. I feel like those guys will be probably two to three innings, maybe four, and then there's going to be a lot of bullpen usage in those games would be my guess. Uh, but I just don't see like a guy like Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, you know, these big guys, like they're going full bore. I, I know yeah, the veterans. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think that they're going to get held back at all. And I actually think you could make the argument because there might be less starting pitchers that pitch that full allotment of innings that you would expect. I mean, at least for a sixty-game season, that they're the top ones are even more valuable. I think you could argue that because I just. I don't think like a lot of these pitchers are going to be held back. Garrett Cole ain't going to be held back. Max Scherzer ain't going to be held back. Justin Verlander ain't going to be held back, you know? So at least I don't think. And even uh, more guys other than them, I'm just using them as top end examples. But I think you can make the argument that the gap, like the separation is, um, is bigger. No, knowing that there's going to be a point sooner than normal in the pool of pitchers where they're kind of all the same because they 
are all being limited and stuff like that. So it'll be, I mean, I think it's going to be really valuable to find the horses, the guys that get, can get you as many innings as possible. You know, I think even a guy like Lance Lynn can help out a lot because That's you know he, he's going to pitch all the time, you know. Lance Lynn, and, we, and he, you could have told him on December 30th that he was starting. He needed to be ready to start in the game on January 10th, and he'd probably still go seven innings. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, yeah. But there are certain pitchers that they will hold back, and guessing which ones those are going to be is a challenge. I mean, I'm definitely not – it's hard to, to do that. But, yeah, I just don't think all of them. I think some of them are just – it's just going to be like normal. The best thing you can do is just be paying attention to your sites and re- Twitter and all that, seeing how many pitches these guys are throwing this week in these yeah. starts here this weekend. And you could probably tick it up. Like if a guy throws 60 st- pitches um, here over the weekend, they're probably going to throw 75 to 80. Just going off of what I remember from typical projection from rehab starts or spring training, that's what you can expect. It seems like they just increment. I think that, that first way. I think that first week to 10 days of the season you can kind of get a pretty good idea because I mean it's pretty unlikely I think that they're going to have a guy go all out, you know, a full a full amount of pitches and then slow him down. You know, mm-hmm. I just I think that if they're doing that early in the year, they're just going to continue to do it. Yes. But the some of the younger guys and some of the marginal guys or the you know the rotational four or five types that uh, maybe aren't like super solid in the rotation or they have a deep rotation or they have a really good bullpen. Like I've heard some talk of like a lot of uh, Drew Pomerantz usage, a specific podcast that I've been listening to. You know, just because he's really good for um, San Diego. You know, just like. Guys like that pitching, say, two innings out of the bullpen or three innings out of the bullpen, almost kind of like a a playoff series, but just over the course of a season. You know, like in a playoff series, your top pitchers are pitching normal. Yes. And then the ones that are, you know, like the three or four, depending on who they are, the minute that they start to give up, they're out. Like, give something up, they're out. And the bullpen, it kind of turns into a bullpen game. I think there could be a lot of that because it's just a shorter year. So, Yeah, each game is going to mean a little more than the marathon we're used to. Yeah. Are you downgrading teams like the Braves after the comments from Anthopolis? Or are you more just kind of keep keeping most of these guys ranked about where they were? Are you, down, more, are you downgrading them? Not too much, I don't think. Um, I mean, they have... Some younger guys, I mean, like Soroka and Freed, they're younger, maybe not going to get worked quite as hard. But I also think that, I mean, obviously the Braves are a team that has championship aspirations right now. So it's going to be hard to go two or three innings for too long, you know, with your top guys. So I don't know. Well, let me throw a couple names at you and see. Soroka... Um, just I'm gonna go, play a little him or him game with some guys. We're gonna go down and see how far you go. Just going down about twenty, thirty slots here for another veteran, uh, Hyunjin Ryu. Would you rather have him or Soroka? Soroka. I think I agree. What about like a Mike Miner? 
I mean, I think Miner will get more innings, but I think Soroka's innings will be better. I typically, okay. I typically want the, the per inning guy. I yeah. mean, like okay. as much as I can. I mean, not in all instances because you got to have bulk, but um, Ryu and Miner don't move the needle for me really. Okay, so it doesn't sound like even if you're dropping them, you're not dropping them far. Uh, what about Mike Trout? We haven't talked about him yet. He's been on record as saying him and his wife have discussed the possibility of taking the 2020 season off as they were expecting their first child in August, and I don't think that's happening. I mean, we're a week from the season. We haven't heard that yet. But, you know, when you go away from the team, there's talk that you may have to quarantine for a little while just before you come back on the field and... We could, I mean, we don't know yet, but we can miss Trout for a decent chunk of this season. So, in drafts, let you're drafting next week. How far would Trout have to fall before you'd be taking him? Or are you just planning on taking him top three like before the year? It's, it's a really tough question. Um, I, I feel like in the first round, I'm probably going to be able to find somebody else to take. But that said, he's still Mike Trout. I mean, it has nothing to do with him as a player at all. It's just the there's just a lot of risk, I feel like. I mean, you if he gets away from the team and then, you know, he, I think I heard he has to take a test and then leave and then one or two tests before he comes back, plus possibly quarantining in there. I don't think anyone really knows how long all that's going to take. May not be as long as we think, too. I don't know. I would probably take him, if I had to put a finger on it, like around the wheel, which isn't probably going to get him. I I saw in the uh, – there's been, I think, three main event drafts on NFBC, and he's gone as high as seven and as low as 13. So other people are moving him down, too. Uh, I'm in the one draft I have left is the online championship. It's a 12-team redraft with Fab. 12-team, I think I'm a little more likely to take him. But, yeah, I'm always going to be looking at another guy like, you know, he's, he's not in that situation, you know. Granted, he's not Mike Trout. I get it. I mean – it's tough. It could be. It could wind up being the best pick of the draft if you get him at like nine or ten overall, you know. But it could also decimate your season. So it's it's just you're basically predicting how long he's not, or how long he's going to be away from the team, which it's just hard to predict. I have no doubts about the performance when he's in when he's playing. I just want to throw one at you. And I don't want to keep doing the him or him game with a bunch of names, but let's say you're there and it's Trevor Story versus Mike Trout. Man, it's close. I wouldn't want to be having to make that decision. Yeah, I I think I would take Story. I think I would too. But... I, yeah, I wouldn't want to have to make the decision. I hope that I pick early enough in that draft where it's just not even there. You know, like it's not a decision I have mm-hmm. to make. But, I mean, I'll be honest. Want you get to pick seven, eight, nine, you got to start thinking about it. I yes. mean, I'm not saying I would do it, 
overall, I've, I've said that I'm kind of avoiding it, but it, now it's starting to seem like everybody is. So it's just tough. It's tough to say because we don't know how long it's going to be. And that's really the whole thing that you're trying to predict, you know, and as far as where you, cause you know, obviously if he wasn't missing the time, he's going in the top three. So let's talk about some positives. Now we got some positive reports out there from players who were injured at the start of the year, who appear ready to go. Now Shohei Otani is going to be used as a two way player immediately. When the season starts, he's fully completed his Tommy John rehab from two years ago. And he did have a rough start last week where he was walking everybody, but he's ready to pitch. And then we got Yoannis Suspetis, who has been pretty much gone for two years also with leg injuries, and he's ramped up his sprint speed and saying he's definitely going to be ready to go opening day. I think I heard even that they're even getting more confident in playing him in the field. Carlos Carrasco, he's ready to go and already able to throw at least six innings. Nick Senzel was reportedly 100% with his shoulder that he was questionable for opening day. Uh, Aaron Judge hitting in the batting cage isn't holding back from his bicep injury before the year. Uh, Unfortunately, his neck has been bothering him this last week, but he's expected to be fine for opening day. And Joe Musgrove's another one. He was having some elbow problems early or in spring training, and he seems like he's ready to go. So how are you valuing these guys at this point? Are you moving them pretty much back where they were when they were fully healthy? Or are you still expressing some caution with these guys? For the most part, I think, um, other than Judge, I guess, I don't, I'm kind of just off of Judge right now. I don't, I think that, I think it has a lot to do with just how he's viewed and where he goes. So I don't think I'm going to be the one drafting Judge, in, in, you know, right now, but he could be fine. I mean, he's still, still a stud when he plays. I just, I don't know. I feel like there's, I want to see him stay healthy for an extended period of time. And I just feel like you have to invest a lot of draft capital to get him. So, but other than that, yeah, those other guys, I mean, they're not nearly as pricey and probably be more in on them. So. Man, I'm excited for Shohei Otani. I drafted him in my dynasty startup last year, knowing I was missing him for a full year with pitching. And I'm just, it's a daily league, and I'm so excited to see what he does. I want to see him healthy, and I want to see him just being awesome. 60-game stretch here. I Ah, that guy has all, I mean, he's got the potential in daily leagues to make himself the top player in fantasy at some point, just because he's a nine-category guy. I'm I'm excited about him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, it. If it ever all comes together where he's hitting and pitching all at once, it's just going to be – it'll be uh, fun to watch. Yeah, and they've they've announced he's going to start every Sunday throughout this season. They're just going to have him go every seventh day and do that and yeah. work all the other pitchers around him. And I think that's kind of interesting. I was thinking about that for your biweekly league, how you do in Rotomasters. That would be really interesting for these biweekly leagues yeah, also. Yeah, he's going to have more value this year with the setup with the lineups. Yep. Because you can put them in a hitter for three or the Monday through Thursday games, maybe get them for three games hitting and then get a start over the weekend. Yeah, that definitely helps. 
Um, then there are the players who tested positive for COVID and are away from their teams or at least have missed a good chunk of this second spring training. The headliners include Freddie Freeman with Atlanta, who I think I just heard was cleared to return. Then we got Eduardo Rodriguez, who just arrived in Boston on Friday. Austin Meadows, he's been away from the team for about a week or week and a half now. Miguel Sano, he's been clear. He was just cleared a few days ago. He's missed a, missed a lot of this time. DJ LeMahieu, he's another one who just had his first workout after being away. Roldis Chapman, he hasn't been seen in about a week and a half. Yasiel or Victor Robles, he's still away from the team, and there's no news on him. And then there's Yasiel Puig. I weird because he wasn't even on a roster a few days ago. Then he signs with Atlanta takes his physical and he te- pe- tests positive and what I heard he's that's that contract is no more and he's back on free agency so knowing that what are we doing with some of these guys we only have a 60 game season and if they were positive for the virus maybe they missed a lot of this spring and may be slow starting out of the gate or maybe and some of them aren't even going to be ready for opening day with only 60 games, that, that you know, you start slow or miss time. That could, re- I mean, even a week you're missing 10, 15% of the season. Especially with starting pitchers. You know, Jesus Lazardo just got cleared to return. I didn't mention him here, but he's another one that he's not going to be stretched out to start the year. So, how are you feeling about these guys? Especially, like, we'll start off with the hitters who maybe a lot of these guys that just got cleared. Are you putting them right where they were? Or are you possibly worried Are you worried about the fact that they're not going to get many reps here, or just a couple days worth of reps, and maybe physically they're not even what they were before? because Or not physically all the way back? Yeah, I think with the guys that are, are back, like, are cleared to return or whatever, I think I'm pretty much moving them close to where they were, if not right where they were. I mean, I can see being a little conservative on some of them, but I also just feel like a lot of these guys, just in general, they're testing positive, and then days later I'm seeing, oh, they can re- they're cleared to return to the team. So when it's happening now, I mean, I know obviously the season starts in a week, so it's going to be tough when it's in season and you're missing five to seven days or potentially more. But it's almost like I'm almost kind of looking at like, well, better it happens now than in, in during the year, you know? So I don't know. I, I think it's case by case, but I wouldn't get too drastic. I might be a little conservative on some of them, maybe bumping down around or a couple rounds, but nothing crazy. I mean, I wouldn't want to own all these guys, but. Freddie Freeman's the one I probably would be a little more wary of just because he's the one that sounds like he got it real bad. Well, and he's also he's also really expensive too. That's a big yes. that's a big thing. And knowing that, I mean this has messed some people up who've caught this virus and some people have lived with it the rest of their lives. Uh, sounds like they're going to I shouldn't say the rest of their lives because it's been a few months, but they're they're carrying a lot of the stuff with them for a while and just I think I'd be a little wary of taking him if his ADP is getting back to where it was 
But yeah, the rest of the headers, I think I'm feeling all right about that are back practicing now. Even if they get a week, week and a half, they may start a little slow. But I, I'm, and I probably wouldn't take them right at their ADP if I'd probably want them a couple slots lower. But what about the pitchers? Specifically, we got Lazardo and Rodriguez. Rodriguez just getting back with the team. Lazardo is waiting to get cleared. You, I mean. It's going to take them a good month before they can go a full start. And yeah, a month from now, especially it's 40% of the season. Yeah, yeah. Lazardo, I, I feel like it's tricky because he's a young guy that they're not going to overwork, you know. I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez, they he could probably he's probably going to ramp up a lot quicker, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd be conservative on those guys, but if they're on their way back or cleared, I mean, it's kind of like one of those things where you just you feel like that it should be back to normal fairly soon. And then, I mean, the trickiest part is just going to be when these cases are popping up during the year mm-hmm. because that's, you know, then it's like if they're, like I said, they're out a week, two weeks, that's a long time during this year. Or, you know, during this season, it's it's so different. I mean, it's just going to be really strange. Fab bids on Sundays could be crazy. This yeah. Year. Players just, I mean, pl- some players are getting hurt and then more just dropping with the illness and have to be quarantined. <clears throat> okay, well, let's take a break, and then I've got a few more questions before we get out of here. All right, well, we reached out to Baseball365 on Facebook for questions and got a couple of them. Uh, Ben Hoban asked a good one, and this is related to a discussion we had earlier in the show. He asked what the odds are that some 17- or 18-year-old prospect gets thrown into a weekend series because of an injury or some other reason and then goes crazy on the league and never leaves the lineup. And if that happened, who is your prediction on who that'd be? Why don't you go first? Uh, 17 or 18, I would say the odds are ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, I just don't see it. I'm not saying. Is Luciano not, 18 or is he 19 now? He's got to be 18, right? Yeah, but he's not playing this year. No, I'm just I trying mean, to think of who is 18. Yeah, it's just, that's, that's what I'm saying. When you look at 18, 17, they're just, it isn't going to happen. I mean, I'd be, I'd be shocked. Honestly, I'd be absolutely shocked. I can't say anything. Now coming to the plate for the Yankees, Jason Dominguez. Yeah. (laughs) I actually laughed because, uh, or when they were, there was one day, it was a Sunday. I don't know what day that was. The day when they all announced their player pool, their 60-man player pool. It was a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. But uh, the one I noticed was George Valero was in the Indians. I just remember like sitting there thinking they aren't going to play him like in the majors. I know that they're doing other work with the guys and stuff and they just want him around the team and stuff, but it's just like, I don't know. I just can't see it. Was I, he even in short season last year or was he in yeah, rookie ball? Uh, he had, he got to low A. He did get to low yeah, A. Yeah, okay. but it was very, it was pretty brief. 
and ugly. Uh, but yeah, I just uh, I just don't see it. I mean, I can't say that it's impossible because this year could just be totally crazy. But yeah, I don't I don't really see it. So let's try to I'm going to try to go another step and see if I can get you with somebody, maybe a 19 or 20 year old who's still in the low minors, but maybe just has a Juan Soto, Juan Soto type explosion in the minor leagues this year, and then well, there's no minor leagues happen. There's no minor leagues. Yeah, maybe they're blowing it up in their little camp, let's say. But you do have a good point. If they're not yeah, playing in the minor I just league, don't. not catching as much attention. I don't really see it. You got anybody yeah. in mind? I mean, I, I have one person I think of, and I think I only think of it because I own them in a league. Actually, I think I own them in both dynasty leagues, and that's Jordan Groshans, oh, the guy okay. who has the great bat. I still don't think it's going to happen. Twi- he's the, 20. Yeah. Low minors, though. That's why I say it. He was in the low minors and had the injury that really kind of took a year away from him, but he's much like he his bat's better than where he was playing last year. So, but yeah, that's still kind of a, I mean, we're still talking a 20-year-old. Do you know okay, if, uh, let's... do you know offhand, you probably don't, but do you know offhand if C.J. Abrams is on the, uh, is in the pool? I don't. Let me. He's. Let me ask the next he'd may, question, and he, then I'll pull him up. He'd maybe be my um, miracle call up if I had to. That's a good one. If I had to pick one. That's but a good one. Let's I don't. See. I still don't see it. I'm talking. I'm talking like. Five, he is on it. Five percent. Yeah. And he's 19 years old now. That'd be fun, but man. Yeah, that'd, that'd be that's a good. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Holy cow! Yes, it would. Maybe. <laughs> Just the Padres get nailed with a bunch of inj- injuries and spread, and he's out there raking, and they're actually in a playoff push. And he's fast, too. He's fast, too. He's a pinch run. Uh-huh. be fun. <laughs> pinch running this we're, year and back in high next year. We're dreaming, and I hope everyone realizes that. But... <laughs> yes. All right, uh, Lou Landers, our good buddy who – has the podcast with Lucas actually Lucas Berry the Lucas podcast asked when we will see Spencer Howard Wander Franco and Nate Pearson so Andrew of those three how many of those do you think we'll see in the majors this year um I think we'll definitely see Howard uh, probably Pearson and um I'm not sure about Wander I'm less confident Wander did you see uh I just read this earlier today, but did you see that Bryce Harper basically demanded that Spencer Howard be in the rotation? No, I didn't. Yeah. He said by, I think the quote, it was something close to this, by the sixth game of the season against, I think it's the Yankees, Spencer Howard better be in the rotation or something, or or something (laughs) is seriously wrong, I think was what he said. They they're doing wow. that uh, because they're doing like they they have to be held down for a week for service time, I think it is. Yeah, and I thought that they announced a few months back that anybody who plays at all during the year, no matter when they came up, is going to get a full year of service time. So what? Yeah, is that I'm not because... I'm not positive what changed on that, but they were saying how he recognizes that. That's why he said the sixth game or whatever. But basically, I mean, if you really if you do look at the 
Philly's rotation. I mean, it just makes way too much sense. He should be in it. Yeah. He's pretty much ready. So, uh, and I think Pearson's probably up too. I mean, I guess maybe the situation if if Toronto started awful and they just he wasn't up at, right at the beginning, then maybe they don't. But I think he'll be up. It's tough with Wander though. I I just I have no confidence in the Rays. I feel like the Rays could be oh no could be in first place contending for the championship and they still wouldn't call him up. I just I don't know. Maybe they will. Hopefully they do, but I'll say two. They have I'll so say much two depth. and I'll say I'll say Howard and Pearson yes and uh Wander no. I agree. All right, I got one last question here. Um do you think it's even possible that an MLB player who's outside of the top 30 in drafts this year could have a big enough season in the 60 game stretch that he could finish in your top or he could be in your top 5 ranks for redraft leagues going into next year. So a guy that's outside the top 30 like ADP. Correct. Your let's just say outside of your top 30 because I don't there could be somebody that you love that's like 32 that you really have at 17 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably not. I think that the two that come to mind the most are Bo Bichette Yep. And Luis Robert. Because I think that, I mean, obviously they're both young. They both can kind of do everything. And if they both just went nuts with the power and speed. I don't really see it, though, no. I mean, top five. If you said top ten or if you said first round, maybe. But top five is just, it's too hard to crack that for a guy outside the top 30. I mean, I'm just going to throw something at you. Bo Bichette hits 320 with 14 home runs and 12 stolen bases in the 60-game season. Pacing, for that's like right about 35-35. I still don't know if I'm putting him in the right. top five. Right, exactly. That's Because it's, you know, I mean, he's going to be high if he does that. But not, yeah, probably not top five. Yeah. It's just not enough. That There's the track record argument, too. You know, you start getting that high in the draft, I mean. If you said top ten, definitely, yeah. definitely. If you said top fifteen, I could see it a little bit more. And I just think that those guys have like the skill set, the helium. Where if it all hit, you know, they they would go way up. But top five is probably too high. Yeah, I didn't think of Luis Robert, but Bo Bichette was the one I was thinking of. So we were on the same page there. Okay, uh, quick. I guess I said last question before we get out of here. I, I forgot I did have one last question I wanted to ask. So second last question for you. What are your thoughts on your boy Vlad Jr. getting moved from third base to first base? Um, I, I like it. I mean, I, I feel like first base is – I mean, I have him a couple dynasty leagues. I, in both of the ones that I have him, I need first base more than I need third base. So – to me, it's that part's good, at least for me. First base in general, I feel like is shallower, so that's good. And I feel like he can focus more on hitting and 
less on the feet playing the field, you know, like with a guy like that. I mean, obviously his value comes from his bat. So if that's all he has to think about, which I mean, you're still playing the field, playing first base, but it's a lot easier of a position, obviously, than playing third. So more time to focus on hitting, which is all he should focus on anyways. So the only, I mean, I've kind of thought since he was even in like low A, you know, I, I've said the whole time he's going to wind up at first base. It's kind of the mm-hmm. Miguel Cabrera path, you know, third base early, first base later on, same as Pujols. But I'm a little surprised this when he's 21 years old that he's going to first base. I mean, I'm a little surprised. Because you're obviously, when you go to first base, you're just that much closer to DH, you know, because that's the next step would be DH. But I think he probably sticks at first base for a while. I mean, so, yeah, overall, I mean, position-wise, just pure position-wise, I kind of like it because I feel like first base, it's a little tougher to fill and. Snow's doing the same thing, so first base gets a little bit of a bump in season, I guess. You know, he spent last winter getting in shape, and there were pictures of him last offseason going into spring training where he was in this great shape. All I want to say is watch out for those pictures from next March because I have a feeling if you look at March pictures from 2020 and 2021, he's going to look a lot different because he's not going to be worrying about staying in tip-top shape trying to get himself ready for third base this next off season. But that's, I mean, yeah, I, I think overall it's a good thing. It is interesting that he's doing this already at 21, but I agree. Just letting him focus on hitting. It's going to be, hopefully that just takes a little bit less, takes a little pressure off of him and he can become the hitter. We both believe he's going to be sometime. I wonder, I wonder a little bit too. Yeah, like the first thing I thought was the trickle down like does this mean they're speeding up Groshans? Does this mean that Austin Martin's on the super fast track? I mean, I don't know. There's a just different things to think about. They've got so much young talent that I just wondered if either one of those is like playing into it at all. Probably not in the immediate future, but never know. Yeah, I think if they made that decision a year from now, I could see it being one of them too, but I'm almost certain it wouldn't be them right now because they're still a little bit of a ways away. I mean, I don't know much about Austin Martin yet. He he was a college bat? Yeah, sec- he a college bat? yeah second overall in the draft. Or not, yeah. I'm sorry, fifth overall in the draft, but he was supposed to go second. And basically, by all accounts, or second best player in the draft. You know, that was the thought going in behind Torkelson, so... Yeah, and he can kind of he buddy. can kind of play all over the field. I mean, he's definitely more likely to play third base long term than Vlad. But um, I don't know if it has to do with that, or you know, he could be an outfielder too. He he could wind up a lot of different places. But I just wondered if, if yeah. that plays into it. I've heard our uh, Benny's sidekick. He's been pretty excited about him, so I'm sure that there's been quite a bit of uh, there. I knew that there was a lot of excitement out of him. Yeah. Okay, well, that was fun. It was good to finally get back up here and record, and we're not far from putting our next one out. Andrew and I are going to be out er back early next week because it's time for our second annual preseason podcast episode where we're going to go over division winners and we're going to throw some bold predictions out too. 
and I'm excited to do this again because I've been sitting here thinking. I've originally told you let's just do three each, and I got to tell you, I've been thinking about this the last few days. I'm like, man, I'm gonna, I may end up breaking that rule and have more because <laughs> I keep thinking about. It. I'm like, yep, I want to mention that after I hear a guy in the news. Maybe I'll be, maybe I'll force myself to stick to three, but I'm looking forward to this, and I think. We talked about trying to get that up on Baseball 365 this weekend and see if we can get some listener and member bold predictions too. So maybe we'll even read some of those off. Yep, sounds good to me. Good to uh, good to get back on here. We got a few more days. So is it? I mean, is we it have six more days to baseball it, as we're recording right now? Is it six? Is it actually going to happen? I mean, I, it's going to happen. I think it is. I think it's going to. Well, it's going to be weird. It's going to be real weird watching em- empty stadiums. Yeah, it is. But it's going to be really weird. I won't weird. care. Yeah. I won't care. Next week, I'll ask you what your plans are for opening day. That's going to be the opening question. I've already thought about that. And I'm just looking forward to it. I already told my wife earlier tonight. I said, hey, babe, next Friday's baseball opening day. You know, there's some on Thursday, but those are two games. And. I'm, I'll be watching, but I think I'm going to be actually out of the house a little bit that evening with a something somewhere to be. But I said next Friday night, baseball's starting. I said, you know, if you could maybe pick up our daughter from daycare and maybe take her to the in-laws and go have a, spend the take her to din- go eat dinner with them, I would love it. And she's like, okay. I'm like, thank you. That's awesome. Good. I just want to watch you. baseball. Yeah. Awesome. I just want to watch baseball. That's all I want to do. Because we've waited a long time, longer than we've waited ever in our lives yeah, for baseball. No, it's pretty crazy. So, But we're less than a week away, and we'll be back in a few days, and we'll talk some predictions, and we'll watch some baseball next week. And until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.